This is the Net Group Investments Podcast, where we explore a variety of views and insights that investors care about. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Anil Jagmohan, Senior Investment Analyst at Net Group Investments. My guest for today is Anthony Burgess. He's a managing partner at Veritas Asset Management. Veritas, as many of you already know, manage the Net Group Investments Global Equity Fund, and they do a very, very good job at that. Ant, welcome, and how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Nice to see you again. Brilliant. Yeah, same here. Welcome to Cape Town, uh, all the way from London. How are you enjoying the weather? Yeah, it's great. I've brought the uh, the British weather with me, I think. It's been raining most of the time. Mm, I can see that. I can see that. So, Ant, I want to do this kind of three-part podcast with you, and let's kick off with part one. So I want to ask you, so what kind of companies actually did very well during the COVID years as opposed to, you know, let's call it the more normalized environment that we're in now? Yes, well, no, thanks for that very painful question because we know only too well the sort of companies that did well during COVID because we weren't invested in them. If you think about the COVID period where we were stuck at home, you know, people were riding their Peloton machines, they were watching Zoom. These companies don't actually generate very much cash flow. You know, the hope was that they were going to grow quickly in the future. And we just don't buy those types of businesses. So certainly for the initial part of COVID, it was kind of what I would describe as non-profitable tech that you really wanted to be invested in, which suited the growth managers more than it would have suited us. And then, Ant, I mean, how would you say the investing environment has actually changed with high interest rates, for example, as we've been seeing more recently? Yeah, that's something we're very conscious of because I think if you pushed us, we think that interest rates will stay higher for longer. And so one of the things that you really do need to be conscious of is leverage and the amount of debt that a company is carrying And it's particularly relevant at this particular point in the cycle because a lot of companies have been buying businesses to maintain growth. And and so in the short term, they're increasing their leverage probably at the wrong time. So where we've made some tweaks in the portfolio, it's cutting down positions where we feel there's a bit too much leverage when we've had an opportunity to switch into positions which are better quality and better suited for what might be a higher inflationary environment. Okay, so I actually want to get a bit philosophical with you now. So what would you say are some of the fundamental differences between a company like Microsoft, which I know you like, versus something like a shell, which I know that you don't really like? Well, you're absolutely right with both those names. Microsoft, we've had more or less consistently for over 10 years in portfolios. We don't own shell. If you think of Microsoft, Microsoft is an ideal business. It's very predictable in terms of cash generation. They have a product that, you know, over 90% of their corporate customers will renew year in, year out, typically on a subscription basis online. They keep adding products, think again through COVID, like Teams, which is binding people more to their product and that gives them pricing power you know amongst their corporate customers the average revenue that microsoft receives is about 24 dollars they've just recently put prices up but what would people pay maybe a hundred dollars i mean if i didn't have to fly to cape town and i can do one vc it probably more than pays pays for that for example as much as i like flying to to cape town i should say but so, so that's quite a predictable business with that cash flow, we just have to try and identify which bits of the business are going to grow. But the starting point is pretty healthy. Whereas with Shell, 
I was reminded when I was last here, actually, which was at the beginning of 2020, March, actually a few weeks just before uh, we went into lockdown, the oil price was negative. And here they are making out like bandits at the moment, but it's a pretty unpredictable business. We don't know where the oil price is going to be. We don't know where the growth in demand for oil is going to be over the long term. So the starting point's not great, and it's much harder to model. Hence, we have no oil companies on our universe list, whereas we have quite a few companies that have Microsoft's type of business model. And then, and maybe to kind of expand or elaborate a bit on that, so more generally now, what are some of the types of businesses that you wouldn't buy, and why would you say so? Yeah, so I suppose Shell is a good example in the sense that... Um, you know, we don't like oil companies because of that unpredictability, but it's that level of visibility that is common with other sectors. So, you know, something else that's very topical now, having just gone through something of a banking crisis during the first quarter, we don't like banks, or at least spread financial. So, you know, they borrow money, lend it for a higher rate, and, and, and you know, take the difference. But you don't know where the loans are. And the issue at the moment, of course, is that if we do go through a period of inflation and interest rates being higher for longer, you might start getting some uh, bad debts, companies going bust, and, you know, we don't know which banks are exposed to, to what extent. So we don't particularly like banks. And, and there are other sectors like mining, utilities, which we're not fans of either. So generally speaking, you would expect those to be underweight positions in the portfolio, which is one of the reasons, that, I mean, that did impact us a bit last year because we had no oil, no financials, no mining, and, you know, you wanted to be in those kind of deep value cyclical areas, uh, and we, we didn't have any. I mean, mining is, is actually quite big in South Africa. Maybe, do you mind talking a bit more about why you don't like mining? It's not so much that we don't like it as a concept. We do invest in or have invested in companies, but I'll give you an example of what we like. They'd be coming, company like Franco Nevada, which is a gold royalty company. So they've become like the standard go-to company when you want to raise money to build out your mine. And they take a share of, of the revenue. So you don't have the volatility that you get with the raw material, but so you get a much more dependable index type return from an investment like Franco Nevada, whereas we wouldn't actually invest in in the in the uh, gold mine itself because of you know again it's not that predictable uh, as much as people might uh, might think. Thanks, and and just I want to ask you you know let's call it a big question that I'd like you to go into a bit of detail on because this is the last question I want to ask you for this uh, session with you. But just on Meta, I mean, their fortunes seem to have turned around quite dramatically this year. What would you say has actually happened there now? And I mean, it's been quite sudden, it seems. Yeah. So what's going on there? Yeah, so if you go back last year, there were probably four reasons, three, four reasons why Meta didn't perform well. And just to remind you, you had a slowdown in the economy that people were fearing. So this was industry-wide. It affected all of those names, Amazon, Alphabet, Meta, and that was that advertising online might drop. The second for Meta was competition from TikTok. More and more people are watching short-form video. TikTok's the market leader. Are they going to get less behind? They've got their own product called Reels, but they're not monetizing it as well. So the longer people spend looking at reels, the more money you're taking away from the income-generating platforms like Instagram and, and Facebook. Then you had the fact that they were hell-bent on spending money on the metaverse at a time when things were slowing down, so that the kind of cost side was going up. And then lastly, 
So you can see why it fell. The last one was loss of signal. So as you know, new iPhones or iOS devices, you have the ability to turn off the tracking which affects Meta's ability to sell targeted advertising. So one by one, uh, those things have moderated to a large degree. So the first thing is Meta has come out and said this is the year of efficiency and we're actually going to cut costs. They're laying a lot of people off and they're trying to make the company leaner and much more efficient. And, and so this has gone a, a huge swing from an extra 10 billion of spend to saving a 5 billion. So, you know, you've got that 15 billion swing. That really changes valuations. I mean, it's caused a real headache for analysts because, you know, how do you value a company that's made a complete U-turn like that? The other thing is the negativity on TikTok has moderated. I mean, it's a Chinese company owned by ByteDance. The algorithms are controlled within China. The Americans want to ban it. It's already banned in India, banned from most government devices. So the tables have turned a little bit, and actually what you're finding is a lot of influencers are using Reels as well as TikTok, and actually Reels is starting to gain you know, a bit of momentum, and they're monetizing it better. The other factor on AI, which is related to the loss of signal, is Meta seem to be navigating that problem really well. So what they're doing is they're using artificial intelligence to build a better picture of the people using their platforms. So incredibly, uh, there's about 5 billion posts, including reels, shared between people every day. But that traffic is causing a better pitch, uh, for, you know, meta developing a better picture as to what people are interested in. And so at the moment, they're now generating on Instagram, it's 40% of the feeds on Instagram are from people that you don't follow, but generated by AI. And so that advertising will, will sit alongside that. The other thing that they've done, which is a big change, is they've started to increasingly monetize WhatsApp and Messenger, and they think that will be the third pillar behind Facebook and Instagram for the business. So, you know, if you take a company like Air France, for example, when you buy your tickets, you know, the whole payment communication and issuing of the tickets is now done over WhatsApp, and that's paid for by the company to Meta, and that's a, that's a fast-growing business. So, on the whole, they look like they're in a fairly good place, but as you rightly pointed out, that the shares have gone up 100%, so the valuation isn't as compelling as it once was. And thanks very much. That's all for today, and we look forward to seeing you in studio soon. Thanks very much. Need Group Collective Investments is an authorised Collective Investments Scheme Manager in terms of the Collective Investments Schemes Control Act. Need Group Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information. For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit needgroupinvestments.co.za. Need Group Investments. See money differently.